Happy early birthday to me, Guardians. Today is September 23rd, 2022. My name's Dan Finity, and welcome to Destiny Digest. Not Destiny related, but September 24th is my 36th birthday. Before you say, oh, Dan, we didn't get you any cake or anything, that's completely fine. Leave a rating and a review on the podcast platform of your choice. It's free, and it helps the show in the algorithm. But enough about me. This week, we have Game Awards Class of 2021 member and lore buff, Psalm Lab, to talk the story so far in the season of The Plunder. Fun conversation in there about the major players coming to the forefront in the story in the next few minutes. But first... Hotfix 6.2.0.6 went live yesterday, bringing with it fixes to the map waiting for Disjunction and Cathedral of Dusk Crucible matches, as promised in last week's TWAB. For the King's Fall raid, which saw its master version debut in Destiny 2 this week, they fixed an issue where the Daughters of Oryx were taking extra damage from rocket launchers, also fixing an issue where some players would spawn behind the doors during the Warpriest encounter. For the full list of notes, be sure to check out the links in the description for the episode. In IRL legal news, Bungie had a counterclaim filed against them from cheat maker AIM Junkies last week. Bungie has been fairly aggressive in litigation with companies that have posed to threaten the delicate ecosystem of the game over the last couple of years, with AIM Junkies seemingly the first to swing back. AIM Junkies alleges Bungie hacked computers owned by a developer as well as reverse engineered their hacks, which is against the company's terms of service. It's a bold move, Cotton. The irony of a cheat maker crying TOS is not lost on me. Now for the TWAB TLDR. We have a light TWAB this week. Hippie writes, a lighter TWAB is a good thing sometimes. It means heads are down and creativity is high. That explains all the bungee I saw on my Twitter timeline earlier this week. There is also a reminder that the Team Rubicon Preparedness Month campaign is going on until the end of September. Anyone who donates $50 or more before midnight on September 30th will acquire the Seeds of Hope emblem. The Season of the Plunder original soundtrack is available in the Bungie store for free as long as you've completed the mission Salvage and Salvation. This can be collected through December 6th, 2022 at 9 a.m. Pacific. Lastly, Festival of Loss is just around the corner. It's about to get spooky in here, folks. And now on to this week's conversation with Psalm Lab. Today we have one of the members of the Game Awards Class of 2021, Psalm Lab, with us today to talk about uh, the lore of Season 18 so far. And just like, and, and to answer some questions that we fielded from uh, from Twitter, I believe we have like three <laughs> to kind of get into here. Um, but Psalm Lab, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, maybe tell the folks at home uh, a little bit about yourself and and uh, where they can find you on the internet in case they they jump jump ship like <laughs> toward the end of the toward, toward the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, firstly, thank you so much, Dan, for allowing me to come on the show. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, always obsessed to, uh, first of all, catch up with you, and then second of all, get to talk about destiny, especially the law. Uh, as you mentioned before, my name is Samlab, also known, my first name is Smart. That's my real name, uh, Smart Hopewell. If you want to Google me, feel free to. Uh, um, so, yeah. I'm a Destiny content creator, so so making videos once a week because they require um, a lot of research, and uh, I like to be, I like to be thorough. So I take mm -hmm. my time because there's nothing worse than putting out content and then it's wrong. I've had that happen before. Um, could either be something as simple as like um, typos, mm -hmm. uh, because I'm neurodivergent. That's a, that's a big aspect of yeah. of of who I am. So that ties into my work. So sometimes I miss things, right. But I have mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a gracious community who will either point it out to me or who won't point it out to me. <laughs> and I'll discover like almost a week later that my video has a, as, as a typo in the title. And I'm like, no wonder it's not trending. Well, uh, the, the good thing, right. The memes, um, <laughs> good thing about that is it's always a learning curve, isn't it? You, there's always room to, improve um so it was exciting fixing that and then seeing the the video stats go up a little bit so i appreciated that 
Yeah, a, a lot of the themes in Destiny can be quite heavy, pretty weighted, I think, story-wise. And so we, I mean, Destiny can can be quite an emotional place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I like to do is focus on, so I focus on the light. Most of mm-hmm. most of the other Destiny lore content creators tend to focus on like the seasonal narrative and predominantly what's happening with the darkness. Mm-hmm. I tend to focus on sometimes I focus on the seasonal narrative, but I'm usually looking further ahead because mm-hmm. sometimes all the real estate is occupied. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way to build a, a new house. Um, and so <laughs> I like that analogy a lot, especially when it, when it comes to the conversations surrounding YouTube lately, <laughs> yeah, exactly. especially when it comes to monetization and algorithms and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so I, I like to focus on, um, Connecting, connecting narrative threads from old law to new law and teasing at ideas and asking questions more than giving opinion or speculating too much. Because mm-hmm. when you speculate, it leads to conversation and sometimes those conversations lead to debates and arguments. And the last thing you want is you want content that makes people think, but not necessarily like inciting negativity. And my channel is yeah. all about positivity and encouraging people and encouraging them that they can do the impossible. And so I like to tie that theme into the Destiny Arrive. Okay, cool, cool. So like that's that's an interesting perspective to come at it. Because yeah, like a lot of creators uh, that I watch in this space um, do focus primarily on, on like darkness, the abilities of the darkness. Maybe it's because we know so little about how, um, or in like until recent years, uh, we've known so little about how they uh, it operates, um, and we're starting to get more fleshed out, like what the modus operandi of the witness is, and and other things along those lines. So, um, what I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to ask a question from that Twitter thread, um, yeah. from Average D2 Player, um. What is your favorite piece of lore in the world of Destiny? Uh, can be from either Destiny One or Destiny Two, or or do you even have a favorite piece of lore from 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 either? That's a really good question. Um, favorite piece of Destiny lore, I think it would have to be. Uh, I believe it's called the Book of Book of Dreaming. Don't okay. quote me on that. Let me check. Uh, <laughs> This video, this this podcast is sponsored by Ishtar Kaletnamsk. <laughs> Sorry, it it is it's the book of I want to say constellations. Yes, book of constellations. That's one of my favorite lore books because it talks about the the very early part of like the city age, the last mm-hmm. uh, the last city on Earth, and the speaker and like his perspective and what he went through. And what it was like when the city first began, what it was like having to lead people, even though he was like lying maybe ninety percent of the time in order to get people to <laughs> to 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 be on the right page for their safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it had a very like uneasy is the head that wears the crown kind of edge yeah. with who the speaker is, and it's really cool because we get this brief. Uh, we get this brief in-depth look at who he is and his character, who some of his like predecessors were, what was happening right up until that point, which I believe was literally not too far away from Red War. Because mm-hmm. he has he has a dream about basically what happens during the Red War. And um that's kind of the last major time. This book is the last major time that we hear from the speaker directly. Like after mm-hmm. that, I think we hit, we get sprinkles of him like throughout the law, but then and then after the red wall, that's it. It's just he's you know he's long yeah. gone. He said, "Yeah, um, we w- we witnessed the smack." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, which is which is sad because he he was a great character, and I, for, mm-hmm. for any D one better, and like everybody who's experienced him through that will obviously. Uh, well, may have some some attachment to to the speaker or may not. But yeah, 
I really like that book because I think it sets up a lot of the tone and also some of the things that we that we as guardians encounter as we go through the story of destiny later on mm-hmm. um so it's great heck yeah i was i was going through mine uh and i kept coming back uh so there's a book uh called ghost stories i want to say yes. that came out during uh one of the festival of the lost but it tells the story of a guardian who has been resurrected and uh, travels out into the reef and deposits his ghost there uh, because he didn't, he didn't want to come back was basically the thing. And then the next time that he's found, he's on the tangled shore in kind of this messed up armor uh, toting around like a a bag of uh, ghost shells that he has killed, right? And is is kind of like just bringing them around uh, the tangled shore as kind of like a, a warning. I think I think it's something along the lines of like he has a question for for the awoken. That's just something that's kind of like in the back of his head the entire time. Yeah. Um. That was that's probably like the most metal piece of lore that we have mm-hmm. in all of destiny. And it just seems it, I want to find out more about that character. And maybe if we see him come back, cause it's an interesting premise in the world of destiny. Yeah, I would agree. Like I, I remember reading that and, uh, it's such a, it's such a visual, uh, bit of writing too. Mm-hmm. It really like even from the first sentence, it pulls you in and you're like oh okay this this guy is intentionally he's not a uh like a shin malfa kind of character he's like he doesn't want any of it he's just like right why i just want i didn't ask i didn't ask to come back right i didn't i didn't want any of this mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna i'm he basically he he still leaves himself open to be resurrected, which is kind of like an interesting little twist in that story. But uh, coming into this season, like, how do you feel so far about season eighteen uh, as a whole? So season eighteen, this this model of seasonal narrative, or mm-hmm. the combination of destiny gameplay and seasonal narrative is always my favorite because this mm-hmm. is where Bungie does what they do best especially on the in the narrative team and that is set the big scope for things that are like way ahead right way mm-hmm. ahead i think and it's funny because as the destiny community has grown to appreciate lore more Right. Um, I think mm-hmm. one of the seasons that set that up was season of the worthy, which is where we had that massive uh, content drought due to mm-hmm. COVID. Obviously, that was right in the middle of COVID. Right. Yeah. And things were like super delayed, super pushed back. We were looking at twenty twenty two for stuff desperately. Like, why? Um, so, so, but this one of the seasons I've seen the plunder, which is the season that we're in right now, it is. Uh, potentially big because it's setting up really big things for Nightfall and Yon. It, it starts off as this whole uh, very innocent pirate kind of season, and we're like, oh, "Okay, Yar, we're gonna be, yeah, we're gonna be pirates. It's gonna season. be pretty light, right? Right." <laughs> and then boom, they hit us with uh, first we get the delicate two exotic rifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, which comes with a huge amount of lore. Um, and then, I mean, I'll preface this because obviously we don't want to give away any, any major spoilers. So if you haven't played yeah. the last, like, two two weeks, three weeks, two including this week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, seasonal story, go ahead and, and, and obviously play that. But if you're happy to be spoiled, stick around. Um, yeah, I, I would say maybe... Maybe the next like thirty seconds, just skip forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so skip ahead now. Um, yeah. Yeah, so now, now we have the these relics of darkness mm-hmm. and the really, I was going to say, I was going to say, how do we how do we describe this? This well, they're reliquaries, right? Well, yeah, the like, the the with with fragments. Well, not fragments, literal pieces of mm-hmm. Nazarek. Um, oh, sorry, Nazarek, who is who was a disciple of the witness, mm-hmm. and which is that the first time that that's confirmed in the lore? So every other piece of lore that we've had has suggested that mm-hmm. he is a disciple but it's never uh come out right and confirmed it but this this week's little uh cinematic short kind of confirmed that and uh and also that he's in the pyramid on luna which is the moon mm-hmm. um and so the big deal about this character is we've heard so much about him for such a long time in you know little sprinkles of lore here and there um, but the law paints him out to be like, I think one of the entries like describes him as like, uh, the end. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right? It doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. quite say that, but it describes him as like the end or, or almost like he, he is at the end of everything and he's mm-hmm. kind of waiting for, waiting to rise again. That's, that's that's like I'm 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 putting words in Bunty's mouth because they've they've <laughs> laid it out a little bit <laughs> a little bit better than that, but more or less, right? If you string it together right. and you read all the the different lore entries from the so the we've got the uh, delicate tomb exotic rifle, we have the glaive, which I forget what the glaive is called. Oh yeah, that's a, a Nezerax. I got I I have it. Let me pull let me pull it up here. Uh, it is called uh, Nezerax Whisper. So the one, uh, Nezerax Whisper, mm-hmm. and then I believe we had a helmet called Nezerax Sin. Mm-hmm. We also that, now have an ornament for his robes. As that's well, right? Did that come with lore for the, from? I know it's in Eververse as yeah. A I purchased it. It is. So did I. <laughs> sick looking. Uh, it is pretty gnarly. Like the way that it coats it, it coats your armor over with um the the kind of like um the energy pulses of the witness yep like just those striated lines yep it's super cool <laughs> yeah. especially very very, very cool they've they've yeah. essentially given us like Almost, almost all of Nezarak's gear. I think the only thing we would be missing right now would probably be arms and like boots, which mm-hmm. I'm sure maybe next season we'll get those items. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so a big, so big, um, big spoils. And <laughs> there was something that I was reading earlier. I completely forgot my train of thought, and I should have written notes before. Oh, um, so we're we were talking Nezarak. We we're talking about yeah. the reliquaries and uh, him being entombed in the ship, and also right. now in in the uh, in the different reliquaries that are going around uh, or that we're going yes. around and picking up. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Yeah. So on the back of that, the last two points, which I think people will find real interesting, is the only other mention we've had of Nezarak in any relation to. A tomb is the Drifter, and we know mm-hmm. for a fact that Drifter is talked about really early on in his lore, visiting the fourth tomb of Nezarek. We don't know where that tomb is located or what it is. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that the Drifter left the soul system to go to the outer edges of... Well, he, he left the soul system and like left our solar system in in, in general, right? Mm-hmm. And there were only a few other places for us to go. So there's the Jovian system, which is where the nine are. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> and then there's the uh, Saturn, Saturn's system, which is the Saturnian system. But I don't think we're going to see that system until like after the final after, shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we're going to the Jovian system, here's, here, the reason why this is a big deal is because Neptune is in the Jovian system. 
And the Jovian mm-hmm. system is the system that the nine are supposed to be in control of. So it would be interesting to see how Bungie sets this up. And it could, my, my theory is that whatever, wherever that tomb is, is related to Neptune. And that may set up whoever the next big, big bad is going to be, mm. which could possibly be Nazarek, or yeah. he's just involved in the process of what the final shape is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. there's yeah. an, there's an interesting lore card. Um, Concerning all that, I believe it was um like I was I was trying to catch up on like Nezarak and like uh and Ish in Ishtar Collective this week as well. And there's an interesting card that says something along the lines of like being more than the sum of your parts is essentially what it what it comes down to. And like reaching like a step where you're you're kind of like wind. Yeah, yes. Yeah, does that ring a bell? Um I'm not sure if I've read it. What's the, do you have the name of it? I don't have the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> of course I don't have the name of it. Yeah. I can't, I can't find it right now, but like, I, I remember reading something along those lines where it was like becoming more than the sum of your parts. Yeah. Which was the, like, especially when we're talking about shapes, when we're talking about like callus becoming a, a, um, a disciple of the witness when we're talking about all these different things like that, that kind of like that idea takes more shape, I guess is pardon the pun, but, it, <laughs> but it takes, it takes more, more of a, uh, a thought on the forefront. Um, yeah, you, you, you know, you're not, you're, you're not wrong. Um, there is a Laurentry trying to remember the, it's called, Oh yeah, it's Gardner. It's the gardener and the winnower Lauren tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a specific line in that Lauren tree. Um, and I'm going to see if I can grab it real quickly. Okay. Um, and it's in the book of unveiling. Yep. Here we go. And the line goes, uh, if I can find it, I'm trying to find. Yeah, so the book of unveiling, uh, it's called the final shape, and there's one line in it that says, "We had our assigned dominions and always would." Really interesting uh, line because it suggests that both the light and the dark were given the roles that they currently occupy, mm-hmm. and if we are so. Destiny law is always ambiguous, but if we were to take that literally, it would we would assume that somebody's put them both like you. They both have a job mm-hmm. that's been given to them by somebody who is of a, a higher authority. So the question is who that higher authority is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the interesting part about the book of unveiling is it suggests that there was a universe before the universe that destiny currently exists in right mm-hmm. which would which would be considered like the i guess the prime or the 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 original universe mm-hmm. and uh, so it's it, so it's interesting that we are slowly walking closer and closer towards this final conclusion um of whatever this shape is and it's interesting because in the lightful trailer the witness also says me paraphrasing again you know let them let them come to neptune so that they can discover you know so that they can see our final shape right Mm -hmm. and then once they've seen that only then can we be free so it's very interesting because it it makes me feel like the witness isn't really the the witness is a circumstantial bad guy who is Mm -hmm. using us to break free from this reality that they have somehow trapped themselves in okay right mm-hmm. because I, the way I, I i like to think of it like destiny is a chessboard right mm-hmm. and i'm thinking about all the different all the different pieces you have in the, the chessboard the kings the queens the rooks the knights so i i keep i i try to look at the uh 
the witness i don't know if the witness is like a king or queen per se i feel like mm-hmm. maybe they're a bishop and then whoever the whoever the final shape actually is um is either an actual being or just a uh, an analogy for like what's to come right like what of, of a universe that that isn't bound by light and dark essentially mm-hmm. in the in the way that we know it but yeah getting super super deep lore feels <laughs> <laughs> most it's people all... probably switched off like 10 minutes ago <laughs> it's it's all good it's all good i'll edit it up so it happens in the first five minutes we're good okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um it, it's it's interesting seeing like um Seeing Nezarek kind of become like a featured player in this, especially like, I'm looking at I'm looking at the lore piece for his helm right now, and it says he is he is that which is an end, and he shall rise again. A passage from of hated Na- Nezarek, a pre Golden Age text. Mm-hmm. So, um, we have we're so we're gathering his pieces right. <laughs> on, on the helm, which the past seasons have started to maybe think that maybe we shouldn't be doing things on the helm anymore. Right. Uh, right. You know, like first it was the, uh, psychic waterboarding in the back, uh, of, of the thing. Now, then it was the crown being on, on the helm. And now we're just compiling a bad guy. Right. right. <laughs> like on, in, in the middle of the bridge. Um, this kind of feels like, we're, we're we we're gathering his body parts together, kind mm. of like the Infinity Stones a little bit, with maybe without knowing exactly what we're doing. Yes, um, that's a really so, good way to look at it. Yeah. Um. And so we could be we could be lining ourselves look uh, speculation again, but we could be lining ourselves up to like shit ushering in like another era of Nezarak um, is, is what it kind of feels like. But I think uh, some of the big movements of story have been with um, not, notwithstanding like the whole reliquary storyline with, with us and Drifter and now Eris is kind of in on that side. We also have the, um, the elixir side of the conversation with Mithrax, Ido, we have the spider involved and Aramis, uh, a newly thawed Aramis where we're going around basically playing pirates of the Caribbean, knocking out all <laughs> knocking out ships, <laughs> grabbing relics. <laughs> like I believe the boss this week was called the bully. Uh, we're just taking down bullies one by one, grabbing these, grabbing these, uh, darkness infused artifacts. Um, yeah. And we learn a lot about Mithrax's backstory when it comes to his swashbuckling days. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's an interesting touch point because it was this time last year that we met Mithrax really um, in earnest when he uh, when he was br- talking about the House of Light. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, it was during well, we'd met Mithrax one time mm-hmm. uh, on Titan when we right. still had Titan several when we years sa- back. When we saved him uh, from from the hive, he was he was basically a character that was in a cage uh, by the hive, right? That's right. Yeah, and and once we set him free, you had the option of killing him or bringing or the him hive knight. Yeah, 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 keeping him alive. And so we met him once before then. We met him in earnest, earnest, like met him as a character last year during the season of the Splicer, which was kind of like a weird redemption arc for Saint 14. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we had him all, he was, he was basically the boogeyman for the Elixir. And now we're seeing kind of like a parallel and a foil in Mithrax where he was kind of the scourge of the like, of the galaxy where he is, but he's turned over that new leaf in, in being the Kel for the house of light. Any thoughts yeah. on that? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's a it's a really powerful story because it is one of forgiveness and redemption, right? And this is something mm-hmm. that we've seen as far back as Crow, right? As Aldrin mm-hmm. Solve being this he was a tyrant from the first moment we met him in D1, right? He just <laughs> he was obsessed <laughs> with his sister right. and he very Games of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah, very, oh, very. Like, <laughs> big time. Um, and then the Traveler brought him back, and then we had this whole... Uh, uh, he had this whole internal struggle with now knowing better, and also having seen all his past mistakes, thanks to Savathun, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um, for now. <laughs> and um, then, now, then we saw it with Saint. And we've all, we always thought Saint was a good guy. So we saw Saint in the eyes of the elite. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting that the person who was even telling the story about the Saint was uh, Mithrax. Mm-hmm. And then we've had a story this season about Mithrax essentially doing the same thing to his own people, but maybe a little bit worse on, on some levels because he, uh, Saint was at least, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't literally, not that that made that made it any better mm-hmm. but he learned from his his mistakes and turned over a new leaf after a lot of convincing mm-hmm. and then we assume mithrax did the same because we we haven't heard about it but now he's he's cal of house light but he has this history that he he refused to tell anybody about and so now we're dealing with the aftermath with him and i i do and of course it works out well for Aramis because it's like if she so enough to stop them from trying to get the relics then that's that's mm-hmm. that's a great game plan for her obviously it's not going to happen because Ido wants to put her personal feelings behind her and and still be mm-hmm. effective however anytime darkness relics come into the picture they start to they always have an effect on 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 everybody not just the people who are the bad guys, if that makes sense. Right. And this is something that happens in Destiny quite often. People get influenced by the darkness, and it tends to bring out the worst in who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was there was a moment during season of the Splicer mm-hmm. in the city where uh, I mean Lakshmi. Lakshmi was a great example. Yeah. Um, Savathun uh, or, or Savasiris um, was. <laughs> I just made that up. Was there you go. There it's you go. Not a, it's not a real thing. Um, it's a thing for me now. It's, everybody <laughs> listening to this is now going to know it. So Savasiris. <laughs> Savasiris. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. She. Uh, she. She only had to push or give Lakshmi a nudge, and that was it. The worst mm-hmm. of of Lakshmi's character was brought out in the name of trying to protect people. Populism. Right. And so we've seen this happen time and time again. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so now we here we are. Here we are in season plunder, season 18. Mm-hmm. And we've we've collected these relics and we've just heard the story about how these relics affect people's personalities. And I feel like the idol we're seeing. It's not just a case of the fact that she's upset. She's upset and she's mad. Mm. She's in control of it right now. But something like the way she spoke, yes, like in 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 the in the weekly mission, made mm-hmm. me feel as though she's not just getting these relics back to stop Aramis from from getting hold of them. But she's she's stopping. She's get she's collecting these relics with the researcher's curiosity at the same mm-hmm. time, and maybe wants to see what happens if she puts them back together in a way of defying her dad, which is Mithrax. Yeah. But then ultimately, it's going to be a mistake. <laughs> in some yeah. in some way, it's going to be a mistake for somebody. Uh, the question is who. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out next week. Mm-hmm. And um, based on how many relics we have now, I would assume we have possibly three 
left or four mm-hmm. left because the size of the relics has started to sort of increase. We have these <laughs> huge containers that are like <laughs> two relics in one almost. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, because I was I was in game last night looking at them, like zooming in, <laughs> <laughs> l- lowering my FOV so I could see and just count the space and calculate each. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's definitely his femur. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so is that a foot? I, that looks like a foot. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely interested to see like where all this goes, especially mm-hmm. more and more um, mentions of Nezarak can't be can't be a great thing. Um, I'm looking no. at on the helm right now, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, it looks like we have probably room for like three more canisters. So that like we're probably three weeks out, but yeah. like the um. I want to see how Aramis deals with this. Cause like part of this is um, we're learning a lot about Mithrax. Yes. We're learning a lot about Ido. We're learning about a lot about Nezarak, probably more than we pro- have in recent memory. Um, but Aramis, we're learning about her. Like she had a family, mm-hmm. you know, That's right. she's, she's got, she's got kids <laughs> and she also has like, she feels like a character that's kind of caught between the light and the darkness where the light has already kind of like has already left her people. It's already like, it's already been, it's already left. It's already, um, left its mark. Right. And in her kind of penchant, for revenge reached out to the darkness, which was the opposite of the light and ended up frozen on like a, (laughs) on a platform for Mm -hmm. a little over a year. Uh, so she's, she's finding that like all of these alternatives have turned to kind of bite her in the ass. Right. So now what do we, what do we see? Like, what what would do you think we'll see her be doing over the next few weeks even uh well she's 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 she seems to be desperate but still a lot more calculated than she usually mm-hmm. is and the witness is offering her obviously all sorts of benefits as he did with all the other disciples but she seems to want to go the path that Nezar, uh, Nezarak went. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe that I get because she's like, I'm not pledging anything to the witness. Like I just, no is, I just want power no so that I can get revenge. Right. So that I can get revenge on the traveler. Cause she's she, uh, like, this is all because she's mad at the traveler mm-hmm. because, because the traveler abandoned the elixir to the whirlwind when the hive showed up. Um, so, but obviously now there's only three relics left. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she's thinking. So mm-hmm. it will be interesting. Is three relics still worth chasing after the guardians have taken more or less all of them? I guess it depends on what's in the relics. Must be. Right? Must, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, so far we can, I mean, they've told us what's in the relics. We know. Right. We know it's pieces of, of, Nazareth. of Nazareth. We just don't know what happens. Maybe it's a skull. Right. <laughs> and like, yeah, you know what? So that mention mm-hmm. um, actually harkens back to something that we saw in the, in the cutscene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just now thinking of like the, the thing that you said about Ido. So he was, he was going around basically, uh, Mithrax was going around collecting these uh, with these relics already. Collecting so these, them. Yeah, so they they all uh if I'm not mistaken, was it was it Mithrax's mother that was going around? Uh I'm like pull, looking for the video because I, I recorded she, it last night. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, I I think she was the I think she was the one that found the tomb. But I yeah. thought that it was him who was going around collecting them. 
it almost feels like a Lord of the Ringsy kind of kind of thing where everybody was kind of given a yeah. little bit of Nezrak. And the more that he he compiled together, the more uh, maybe violent. Yeah, I think I think you're right. That's right. So they discovered they found the pyramid mm-hmm. on the moon when yeah. they first got to the solar system, which is really interesting because how did they know? They, so they knew that that pyramid had been there. And we only just found it in Shadow Keep, mm-hmm. um, which would explain why they have a presence on the moon. Um, yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting that they, of course, because they'd never seen the pyramids before. They'd only seen the hive, mm-hmm. um, and that's how their collapse. Well, we assume, like, we actually don't have a full recount of what the what whirlwind. we just know that that Oryx destroyed their, uh, he killed their leader mm-hmm. um, during the whirlwind, but we don't know if there were any pyramid ships because, um, yeah, we also don't know because we never see the during uh, during season of the risen. We only learned of Savathun's relationship with the witness, but mm-hmm. we never got to hear about, um, obviously Ziva Arath, who, by the way, we still haven't met yet. So I'm going to assume that one of these seasons uh, will include her, or we're going to see her in Lightfall. I mean, she has to show up <clears throat> somewhere for the last fight at some point. Yeah, because she's still loyal to the witness. Yeah. But now we have callous, so it's 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 it's, uh, it's interesting how how this is going. But anyway, back to <laughs> back to seeing the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they found this. They found Nezarak's tomb, mm-hmm. and the 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 strangest part is that they they. That, so, because it, it jumps, it jumps to say that that they harvested uh, the dark power of Nezarak, right? And this was mm-hmm. ne- this was um, this wasn't Mithrax who did this. This was uh, oh wait, no, sorry, yeah, yeah, it was Mithrax because mm-hmm. he's holding baby Ido. Okay, that makes sense. Um. But yeah, what's interesting is that they knew that this tomb held power, and they knew mm-hmm. that Nezarak's body held power, which would make me, which would make me believe that they knew who Nezarak was already. Okay. At least that's the, that's that, that's the way it comes across to me. But I could be wrong. Yeah, the way that it seemed, it seemed like something something was calling out to them. Like mm-hmm. they'd they'd kind of like they'd end fought each other. This is according to like one of the lore tabs too, um, where it's like they were just drifting. They they had infought each other, hence like the whole piracy thing, um, and they had essentially been uh, what through all this infighting. There was also like the idea of have you ever have you ever seen the Expanse? Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, slight misquote. So it was when Mithrax was a hatchling. Yes. His his mother, mother discovered discovered it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they harvested Nezarak. And then and then Mithrax inherited it from her, like the piece that she took. Yeah. And then started to collect them on his own and becoming more and more ruthless, mm-hmm. it seems. And That's and, right. and yeah. a monster to his own people. Right. Um the um but it but it seems like they were kind of like they were all just kind of drifting kind of like the um the belters in in the expanse right like they're enclosed in their own spaces they're forming their own societies they have their own ways of doing things now yeah um and then something calls out and reaches out to them after they've already like lost a power. That's right. 
so that's what this seems like this that's what it seems like to me it seems like we're going to see like a lot more i i it wouldn't surprise me if Nezrak showed back up and was like what's up boss <laughs> and like we ended up fighting him <laughs> and like and then stealing his boots or <laughs> or something right right or, or something yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think i think you're right there's definitely a lot of merit to that because um it just i think the only thing we don't know is how big a player Nesarak is, but the the law seems to make out like he's 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 one of the only people people is one of the only things that has been able to per- perfect the use of both light and dark together. Mm-hmm. Apart from obviously us, and the right. whole point of him being entombed, according to him, is that he he was waiting for it, or at least it suggests. That he's waiting for a time where the what the drifter calls the dogma of the light and dark has ended, and he can he can be himself. He doesn't have to adhere to any oh okay any final shape nonsense. Mm-hmm. We will see. I think yeah. I think we are we're away we're a, a bit of a way, but not too long away until we see uh, what's going to happen. I mean, at least we have. Three, three weeks left. I'm not how many yeah. left in the season. I, I believe three weeks left in the in the story, and I believe it's twelve weeks for a season. Ooh, that's that'll be interesting. I'm trying to find. Normally, it tells you in the Destiny app mm-hmm. how many days are left in the season collectively, and I oh, I can tell you that right now. That I, br- I I brought up the game so I could. Oh, okay. be a little bit more useful in this in this regard. Uh, we have seventy five days left as of this recording. Oh, so we've got so okay, so we'll probably have like a month of like nothing, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this season will wrap up in in we'll pro- uh, in three weeks with a major cliffhanger. Obviously, yeah, we'll probably have the three weeks of a major cliffhanger, and then like somewhere in the last couple of weeks, like. Hey, Guardian, go to this place. There's there's something crazy happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. So, the, uh, yeah. So I have this question from Aki and Fam. Okay. Uh, what do you think Spider's Endgame is in all this? Yeah, we didn't even discuss Spider Spider at oh, all. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it's just to grind Mithrax's gears? <laughs> it's it's uh, it's very strategic. Because mm-hmm. Spider is the bootlegger of the Destiny universe. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a strong that's, statement, man. That's well. That's that. I mean, that's you know, he's fair. He he's more of a haggler <laughs> than than the Drifter is, which is why the Drifter and Spider seem to get along. At least in the last like couple of seasons, their relationship has has become more. Uh, What's the word? Advantageous toward each other, mm-hmm. um, and they've ironically both been keeping tabs on each other because they're both into shady business. Although yeah, they're both kind will... of chaotic neutral, yeah, chaotic neutral. Although I will say that, that the Drifter has been less dark and brooding in the mm-hmm. in this season than the previous. We've had more of a comical, uh, even slightly more concerned Drifter than we usually get so it's very interesting to see this item i think that that's a he's had a huge impact from eris eris mm-hmm. has maybe softened his edges <laughs> as, it, <laughs> as it were uh yeah um, as their relationship builds which i, I love the whole, i love the interactions between the two of them uh, it's been a long time in the making i think i think the rest of the community loves it but yeah um mm-hmm. spider is spider is always looking at what angle he can work and so it works well that he's in the last seat because he can yeah. you know <clears throat> he can profit and uh being on the team hunting the relics is also advantageous because it's like he has new collector's items um even though i will say hearing Mithrax speak down to the spider that was intimidating oh uh, yeah from last week I was like, "Whoa, okay, this is <laughs> this is the dark side of of Mithrax." Um, and to see 
see another uh, Elixir who's technically a Kel in his mm-hmm. own right be uh, I guess I guess bullied kind of like deferential yeah and completely back away because he he was afraid but it, now it makes sense because we know Mithrax's history but yeah I think I think the spider will also have a slightly more softened edge but I think that'll change as the season uh, moves forward. I'm not sure how what the conclusion of the the elixir will be on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to see because we've had this will be the second season where we've had a really big focus on the elixir history. And it's clever because I think the narrative team have they've picked core chunks of their history and then like scattered them throughout seasons. Mm-hmm. So we're still getting these lore entries in law books, we're still getting flavor text on armor, armor and, and weapons. And then we're getting these seasons with like chunky pieces of information that they've just so happened to withhold from us mm-hmm. um, again. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with the spider. I'm glad that they kept him in. I'd like to see him become a vendor again personally yeah. um and they've so kind of done that us whatever this, right <laughs> they've kind of sort of teased at that with this whole roulette of random items yeah and uh ironically some of them are like gray starter uh, armor that i'm not even sure we still get anymore no uh, no we don't as somebody who plays <laughs> quite often we do not <laughs> um okay this this question comes from Gorath Hyun, and it kind of it looks toward the future, toward Lightfall. Um, with nanites confirmed as more advanced than Siva, do you think they will ever bring Siva back, or do you think it'll have anything to do with um, Exo Rasputin if they go there? Uh it's it it's it's there's potential for both. I did a I did a, v- a video recently where I touched on that, and basically. There's two things. One, Neo Muna is built with Golden Age tech. Golden Age mm-hmm. tech was built by Clovis Bray. So there's a very strong advantage that one, Rasputin knew about Neo Muna from the moment that that Exodus uh, colony ship touched down mm-hmm. and may have even been part of the development process. Mm-hmm. Um, it may even be possible that there is a warm mind on Neomuna. Oh. Because they have the technology to support it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder if Rasputin has kind of been faking this whole I'm crippled, stuck in an engram thing. Yeah. So I would imagine we'll see some have heavy focus on the Bray family uh somewhere in that story. During that time. Well it, it uh, almost for Rasputin. Yeah. Yeah. Up until that point, like it, it feels like, um, it definitely feels like a branch, like, um, putting this in terms of like streaming and whatever. It, it feels, it feels like, oh, they're the Streamlabs OBS of, <laughs> of, of yeah. humanity is essentially, yep. they just kind of like branched off, um, mm-hmm. from us, which like, seems interesting i would like to see siva come back um yes for weapon reasons uh but also lore reasons like it was it was kind of like this this awesomely terrifying thing Mm -hmm. that used in the wrong like an allegory for like the tools that man makes of course right but like it is seeing seeing an evolution of that make something as beautiful as the city of or as as beautiful as, uh, as a city of neomuna based on what we've seen so far mm-hmm. um seems seems like we could do you we could still do a lot with it even in its unharnessed form well it's 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 very interesting because law wise every exodus colony ship was outfitted with a siva uh siva containment chamber is what they mm-hmm. call it 
And so if a colony ship makes it to a planet, it's pretty easy. It, I mean, it, I would assume that Niamuna was able to pop up in the way that it did because they had Siva to create that entire city because it's so immaculately put together. Um, and then obviously over time, potentially refine that technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is, so in a lot of the golden age aspects of what was created, Rasputin was at the forefront of most of that, like research and development. Mm-hmm. It was Rasputin who developed the Exodus program, which is mankind exploring and living on other planets. And so when that first sky shock alert comes through, that's Rasputin detecting it, right? And so he springs into action and gets everybody mobilized. You guys need to get off this planet because it's over, right? This darkness paracausal level threat is basically going to extinct us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to find out about all the things that have been kept secret by Rasputin. Mm-hmm. potentially by, well, definitely by Elsie Bray, because we've had the lore entry from Quicksilver Storm uh, Auto Rifle mm-hmm. that literally tells us Elsie Bray's in some sort of station orbiting, uh, well, we assume it's orbiting Neptune. But anyway, mm-hmm. there's a, there is a, a Puka, which is the fish thing she's, she has a, as a companion, and, uh, and a ghost. We don't know if it's hers, but we know the ghost was just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. So I I see the potential of maybe a lot of conversation about Siva. Whether we'll end up using it, I don't know. But we've had a lot of Siva related items and Rasputin related items in the Eververse store for the last I want to say three, no, four seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually I love Bungie because they always drop. Um, narrative gameplay hints mm-hmm. the story, and it's usually through ex- uh, skins and items and stuff like that. And we've had like a lot of, I think we just recently got is it a warlock Siva related uh, exotic arm we just got as well recently in the store? I think so. I think so. Uh, I, I think wrong, so. But yeah. So, something like that. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that they they that they continue to keep adding Siva related cosmetics because that what reason would you have to add them when it's not focus? Right. The final Siva related point is that the Nessus ship Exodus Blue, no, sorry, Exodus mm-hmm. Black, uh, is on Nessus. That ship also was outfitted with a Siva chamber. Mm-hmm. So at any point, that Siva chamber uh, can come back into focus. Now, there's a voice line from Failsafe where if you go to uh, Nessus and you go to Exodus Black crash, crash site and you go to Failsafe, mm-hmm. if you hang around for long enough, you'll hear her say a voice line about searching for the Siva containment chamber. Uh, I think it's like mm. one one five two or one two five or something like that. Um, but she can't locate it, so it's going to be interesting to see if that comes back in, or they're just going to wreck on that. Because I know sometimes Bungie yeah. will wreck on things because it's irrelevant <laughs> to where they're right. headed. But now that Siva's back in the picture, it makes sense, um, or potentially back in the picture, uh, it can it can make it it would make sense to to connect the two. Hmm. So yeah, but yeah, exciting stuff. Really great question. Could go for days on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck yeah, man. Thanks for so much for like helping me parse through a lot of this. Um, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Once Thank again, where can people, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anytime. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Good, sir. Uh, you can find me at twitter.com forward slash Psalm lab. Uh, same for YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Psalm Lab, and uh, yeah, those are the two. Those are the two. <laughs> those are the two best places to find me. 
talking about Destiny lore, uh, neurodiversity, accessibility in games, and uh, encouraging people with a message of hope. And some of the best YouTube thumbnails I've ever seen. Oh, you, you, you're too kind. I try. It's <laughs> solid work. Solid work. Thank, Huge thank fan. You. Thank you so much for listening, folks. My name is Dan Finity. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and the TikTok, where the eyes are else. You can catch me three days a week on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash danfinity, helping guardians through pinnacle and endgame PvE activities. If you'd like to support the show, remember to rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. This show is also listener supported. So if you'd like to give a few bucks a month to keep the lights on, head on over to coffee.com forward slash danfinity. All links are in the notes for the episode. May your RNG always be adept, and I hope you find what you're grinding for. <laughs>